Atomic Monsoon. Is it? It is. Oh? Yes. Hey, uh... And who is that theme song by? Oh, that's by the Def M Records All-Stars. Fantastic. And you can hear music by all of the members of the Def M Records All-Stars by listening to their bands on the Def M Records website, which yeah. is at defmrecords.com. And that's D-E-F. D-E-A-F. D-E-A-F. I'm sorry. D-E-A-F. M. I can't spell. Records.com. Like you're going deaf. Yes. But F-M, right? It's a pun. Because you're listening, but you can't hear because they're so good, you've gone deaf. I guess I don't know. Oh, well, it's because you, you have to listen to them at eleven, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. It's funny. Like no matter where your volume's at, it just goes right up to eleven, to 11 every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, ten, <laughs> <laughs> which we aren't, but segues are great. Uh, we're going to talk about the X Men today. Oh yeah. Well, that was what I had in mind, and you didn't say no. Well, okay. That's and fair. Stephanie didn't show up. Yeah. So, and, well, I mean, to be fair, you had to listen to me ramble about Superman last week. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so you get to listen to my favorite comic thing. That's fair. Um, so there's a lot to go over, but I want to get a couple things out of the way first. Okay. Um, if you want a better X Men podcast, and by that I mean one that's been going for six years and has covered everything exhaustively, you should go listen to Jay and Miles explain the X Men. Um, I'm wearing their shirt right now, in fact, and. Uh, it's it's a, a couple of friends who who've been friends since I think junior high and like they have been reading X Men basically forever, um, and they'll go through a few issues in an hour long podcast and yeah I think they just hit issue episode two hundred eighty something oh wow so like there's a lot to listen to, <laughs> um, but it is maybe the best X Men podcast I found uh, cool. I haven't really gone through the Uncanny X cast but. Mostly just because there's a ton of episodes of that, so yeah. maybe check them out too. Um, also, UncannyXMen.net, I believe, is a really good online resource for more X-Men information. Uh, also, talk to your local comic store yeah. guy. Um, yeah. And there's like 8 million subreddits about X-Men too, so. Yeah. Actually, r slash X-Men on Reddit isn't a bad community. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just, a couple weeks ago, out of nowhere, was just like, hey, um, let me check these guys out. And... Uh, there's not a lot of jerks on there, which is nice to say for an internet community. Yeah. You know? It's rare to say. It, yeah. Yeah. They're, it's mostly nice people. So hello, people in our X-Men, if you're listening to this. Um, so, okay, let's get right into it because right. we got a lot of stuff to get over and not a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, the X-Men were created in 1963 by, can you guess who? I'm going to go out on a wild limb here and uh-huh. say Stan Lee. Yes. And there's one, there's this artist, like, he drew, like, everything. Like, uh-huh. Hmm. Like, I mean, there was DC stuff. He did do some DC stuff. stuff. Yeah. And, like, Thor. A lot of Marvel stuff. He did some Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Um, he's real small. I just, what is his name? Well, he, he was. Just, he, nobody knows who he is anymore. He's not, not famous at all. No, no, no one, no one has ever heard of Jack the King nope, Kirby. Never, no, never, no. no. Uh, they never. never jokingly wrote him in as God in the Fantastic Four or anything. Nope, nope, no, nope, nope, no, nope. not at all. Yeah, Jack Kirby, probably yes. one of the best <laughs> and most wonderful comic artists, just because he's responsible for a lot of what we see as superheroes today. What right, they look like what, like just right. Everything about it, like it's is... it's really funny. Um, you look at Kirby stuff now, and it's it feels really simplistic by today's comic standards. But when you go and you look at the stuff before Kirby, you're like, oh, oh, everyone, yeah. this is like the Beatles of comics. Yeah. What's what's <laughs> funny about this is, this is like first glance, you're like, oh, it's pretty simplistic, and then you start to look at his backgrounds, and you go, oh no. 
Well, oh, no. right. Especially when he gets into like the new gods era of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and his like, all the weird geometric yeah, patterns and everything. He was doing that, yeah. and then he was also doing that with like the Eternals and stuff, and some of the Thor books and, and things. The like. thing that's crazy about Jack Kirby is that dude would draw like four books a month. Yeah, like so. <laughs> What? And no one and else has any excuse. Insane splash pages yeah. and like just yeah, it was yeah. nonsense. So Stanley and Jack Kirby created the X Men. Uh, Stanley originally wanted to call them the mutants. He was like, I- "I'm tired of coming up with weird origins for all the heroes. I just want like, what if they were just born with their powers? Because I'm lazy and uh, not lazy, but I mean, you know, right after you create yeah. the Fantastic-, Fantastic Four and Spider Man and Iron Man and bring Captain America back, and the Avengers are created. Uh, Avengers number one and X Men number one came out at the same time, like yeah. within a couple weeks of each other. Um, so all the Avengers characters had been created, right, so that they could team up four Avengers. Like, well, it's it's like that that old argument that uh, in DC, yeah. The heroes were born with their powers mostly. Right. And then in Marvel, they all gained it happened them. to them. Right. So, hey, it's 1963. We've we've been running a couple of years. And the way comics ran back then is you'd get like five years of a fad and then it would fade out into something else. So, like, yeah. eh, we're, we're like three, four years into the superhero thing. Let's let's just let's do this. Um, so he wanted to call the book The Mutants because, hey, they're mutants. They're, born, yeah. they're just born with their powers. And Marvel's publisher, Archie Goodwin, was like, no one's going to know what a mutant is. You can't call a book The Mutants. No one's going to know what that is. So Stan was like, all right. What year was this? Uh, 1963. Oh, come on. There have been plenty of 50s horror movies and stuff like that right now. Right. I think think the comic book audience was probably aware of what a mutant was. I don't disagree with you, but this is what Marvel's publisher said. That's fair. That's fair. Um, And so Stan was like, well, what if I call them the X-Men? And Archie Goodwin was like, yeah, that sounds good. Because everyone's going to know what an X-Men is, but not a mutant. Yeah. 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 Um, and then while developing the X-Men, uh, that he, you know, Stan was like, well, what if we put their leader in a wheelchair? Just Professor X is going to be in a wheelchair. And Archie was like, I don't know if that's a good idea either. I don't. I, uh... All right. If you really want to do it, go ahead and do it. And so they did. And according to Stan Lee, he's like, we did it and it worked really well. Uh, but a couple months before X-Men number one came out. Um, a little comic called Doom Patrol debuted. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, Niles Calder is the Doom Patrol's leader, who is also wheelchair-ridden. Yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and the rest of the team is all a bunch of... Weird misfits. Word? And... Yeah, misfits that, uh, mm. in, unlike the normal DC route, where yeah. you were born with your powers and these all had it happen <laughs> to them. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it should be noted that Marvel and DC's offices were, you know, down the street, jokingly yeah. across the street from each other. Um, so I'm not going to say that there were maybe some people working for both companies at the same time, spilling the beans back and forth, but there might have been some people yeah. working for both companies, spilling the beans. Anyways, uh, I don't know that for sure. That is speculation on my part. Yeah. Uh, comics historians, if you know better, please let me know. But, uh, I did look into it and call, uh, Niles Calder's first appearance does predate Professor X's by about three months. So, uh, and considering comics take two to three months to make, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so the first five uh, field X Men that we are introduced to are uh, Slim Summers, better known as Cyclops. Uh, and in a few issues later, we find out his first name is actually Scott, and Slim is a nickname. Um, Warren Worthington III, the angel, who has giant wings and can fly. Uh, Bobby Drake, the Iceman, who can turn himself into a snowman and freeze the moisture in the air around him. Um, Hank McCoy, the beast, who developed large hands and feet and was uh, incredibly athletic and good at sports. Um, and was also later, uh, we figured out he was a brilliant scientist. Yeah. Uh, first issue, he was just kind of a guy. 
right? But as time went on, he was kind on, of the strong man at first. Yeah, he was. Just, yeah, he, like I mean, even the look of him, they gave him the kind of that strong man look. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. And and a lot of the like, not everything's there in the first issue, right? Like yeah. a lot of like, Iceman looks like a snowman in the first few issues, and then later looks more like the more crystalline ice man yeah. that we we came to know later. Um. And in the first issue, uh, the first. Uh, Lady X-Man joins the team, and that is Marvel Girl Jean Grey with the power of telekinesis. And she didn't develop telepathy until much later. Uh, a couple of years down the road, we we, we found out that uh, she had that ability, too. Um, that was a, after other people, like writers and artists, yeah, had taken think, over, right? I think Roy Thomas had taken yeah. over by that point, yeah. Uh, Stan and Jack only did the, like first, the first, like, 16 or something. Not, issues, I don't even think it was that many. I think, okay. I think it might have been, like, like nine. <laughs> like... Jack Stan was on it for a while. Jack left pretty quick. Yeah. But in fairness, Jack was also drawing half the Marvel universe. Yeah. So and he was still doing covers for stuff. And right. Like yeah. 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 Um, shortly after we we were introduced to the mimic Calvin Rankin, whose ability is to copy the mutant powers of the people around him. So there's one guy suddenly had the powers of all five X Men. Um, and he he started as a villain, joined the team for a little while, and then quit oh. later. Again, I wonder if yeah. this is a parallel thing. I wonder what came first, him or Amazo? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Because it's kind of the same character. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, a few issues later, we, we learn uh, Cyclops has a younger brother named Alex um, who goes by the codename Havoc, and he has weird plasma bursty abilities. And we meet Lorna Dane. Question, when they introduced yeah. Havoc, were, yes. would he and Cyclops' powers nullify each other at that point, or was that introduced later? Uh, hmm. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I have read most of the 60s X-Men comics. I don't remember that scene happening. Fair it enough. may have. Fair enough. Um, here's the thing about the 60s X-Men, man. It mostly kind of sucks. Like, it's kind of a weird boarding school romance superhero book, and, like, every few issues they're trying something new to boost sales because yeah. it kind of is the wb version of a like hero <laughs> comic kind of thing of it, it kind of yeah. was like the printed version of one of those shows yeah um especially the early ones like. yeah like as much as it lays the groundwork right like in the first year we get magneto we get quicksilver and the scarlet witch we get uh blob and mastermind and toad and the brotherhood of evil mutants um we get the juggernaut sentinels appear in issue 14 like like right off the bat, like here's a bunch of things that are gonna be important. Yeah. Um, Sauron shows up towards the end of the '60s, and uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty funny because he's the first time he turns into a pterodactyl is when he drains the energy from Havoc, and <laughs> he goes, "Ah, now I'm an evil pterodactyl energy vampire. I'm so evil, I'm gonna call myself Sauron after the bad guy from Lord of the Rings." <laughs> is that really what he did? Yeah, yeah. that's in, fantastic. In canon, he's a fan of Lord of the Rings that's and great. named himself after the villain. I mean, hey, if you're going to name yourself after a villain. Right. Why not go right to the, the top? Greats, right. Like... Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty good. And then in 1969, uh, with issue 66, X-Men is canceled because sales were so bad that they could not justify printing the book anymore. Which is shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After six years, the book is just done. Yeah. Um, but coming in 1970, they decided, well, there was a, a big fan campaign, fan letter campaign. And they're like, okay, well, we'll bring it back, but we're just going to do reprints. 
So uh, from issues 67 to 93, um, X-Men was just a reprint book for like four or five years. Wow. Um, and then was kind of just sort of drifting. Like, yeah. uh, well, they, and the X-Men showed up, right? They, they showed up and fought the Fantastic Four. They had some appearances in Avengers. Um, one of the epic collections that's coming out this later this year, um, it's, it's going to be volume four of the X-Men epic collection. And it, uh, the first three include issues one through 66. And then this fourth one's going to appear all of the X-Men's appearances between when the book got canceled and when the all new, all different team appeared in 1975. And was that, who's on that new, that new team in 75? Uh, so the new team in 1975, you might've heard of some of these characters. Yeah. Um, so Len Wein and Dave Crockham, uh, you know, Marvel was doing a thing called giant size issues, right? And so they're bigger giant and size thicker. X-Men. Yeah. So there was, there was giant size, fantastic four. There was a giant size man thing, which is the funniest title ever in comics. Um, you know, it was giant size Spider-Man got a few issues and they were like, well, let's do one for X-Men. What the hell? And so Giant Size X-Men uh, happens, and they, they introduce an all-new, all-different international team, including uh, from Germany, Kurt Wagner, the Nightcrawler. Uh, from, from Kenya, you get Aurora Monroe, Storm, with the ability to control the weather. Um, from Japan, you get Akira Yoshida. No, that's not correct. We need to edit that out. I forget his name. <laughs> Nope, you got to live with it now because you forgot. Yep, oh, yep, no. Yep, yep, Akira yep. Yoshida was a, a guy that wrote some terrible X-Men comics in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Shiro... There, there's only like five million X-Men. You can't remember all of their names and origins? Shiro Yoshida was there his name. Go. Um... Gosh, Andy. <laughs> wow. I, how could you not remember every single remember... mutant's name and origin? How, <laughs> how can, dare you? How can I not remember Sunfire from Japan who quits the team six times in Giant Size X-Men number one? Mm-hmm. Um uh, Sean Cassidy, the Banshee from Ireland, who actually had appeared in the 60s as a villain, um, but now he's no longer mind-controlled, and Professor's like, hey, we need help. And he's like, well, all right. Um, from Camp Verde... I totally forgot Banshee was a villain at one point. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Camp Verde, Arizona, right up the road, uh, Thunderbird, John Proudstar. Yeah, um, Proudstar. And then from Canada, uh, this little guy you might you might have heard of called the Wolverine. Uh, he was a Hulk villain once or twice, and then New they were like, Kudis? "Yeah, yeah, basically." Um, <laughs> um, that character never went anywhere. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so the premise of the story is the original five X Men are captured on a, an island um, known as Krakoa, which we find out is an island that walks like a man, and um, which is just a wonderful title. Just I love that. Um, and so the new X Men have to save the original five. And there we go. And then the end. That's it. That's the end of X-Men. Uh, and then they decide, hey, that did pretty well. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> and I think it was only like two months before the next issue came yeah. out. But, uh, so Chris Claremont, little, little 20-something-year-old nerd that was you know, one of the fan kids wor- uh, that got a job working for Marvel. Yeah. He wrote uh, a few books. He, he wrote some stuff. He took over writing X-Men with issue 94 in 1975. And he continued writing Uncanny X-Men until issue 279 in 1990. Uh, yeah, in 1991. Wow. So a uh, nice 17-year stint on, on the he wrote, X-Men. He wrote a few books then. He wrote a few. Yeah. 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 Some pretty popular stories, too. Uh, there were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, right, he takes over issue 94. Issue 95, Thunderbird dies. Right? Like, hey, it's the X-Men. We're back. We're doing it different. Yeah. Nobody's safe. One of these guys we just introduced killed. Dead. First mission. Well, second mission, because the first one was to save, save everybody. Krakoa. But yeah. Um, issue 100, five issues later, Jean Grey, dead. 
gets killed. And then she comes back at the end of the issue as the Phoenix. Yeah. But, or maybe the next issue. Um, it's been a while since 1975. I don't remember everything. <laughs> also, I wasn't alive. Yeah. I was saying, <laughs> it's impressive because you weren't born yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, okay, so let's jump forward a little bit. Uh, issues 125 through 128 are the, the Proteus story. 129 through 137 are the Dark Phoenix Saga. 141 through 142 is Days of Future Past. Uh, issue 150, we find out Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. Um, from 125 to 150, that's 25 issues, 20, yeah. 26 issues. Um, that may be the most important, most formative era of X-Men. Because basically everything we know and think about from the X-Men happened Yeah, it was a lot during... of very character-defining stories right. and moments. And like... yeah. Things that helped define those characters for a long time afterward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the Phoenix saga alone, right? Shaped right. the entire Marvel universe for years. And then a year later, uh, one sixty-two to one sixty-seven is the second time the X Men run into the Brood, um, which is a great, yeah. Great story. So the Brood is basically the movie Alien, but in X Men. So it's like in the Brood are a weird cross between like the things from Starship Troopers and. The actual aliens from Alien, like right, they're yeah. a parasite thing, but uh-huh. at the same time they're that weird bug thing. Yes, like it's just yeah. like the bladed arms and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, it was it was pretty obvious that like Claremont went to the movie, saw Alien, and said, "I'm going to do that." Oh yeah, for sure, right, for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and and the Brood are they're pretty great, but pretty gruesome, and they're also kind of like pod people too. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's just a fun story. It is, like it's, it's, a, it's so weird to like. It, it, it's it hard a, to even describe. It is a very fun sci-fi uh, story. But yeah, so so through issues one sixty two to one sixty seven, the X Men go off to space to fight the Brood. Professor X gets back to Earth and thinks the X Men have died, and he decides, well, we can't not have X Men, so he goes and starts some new X Men. But rather than call them the new X Men, he goes back to what Stanley was originally calling going to call the book, and calls it the New Mutants. So New Mutants uh, debuts in 1983. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about them. Uh, Most of the nine characters that start in the New Mutants have gone on to become kind of a big deal. Some of them have not so much. Um, But also, again, we only have (laughs) a little less than an hour. And I got to, you know, we're only up to 1983. Uh, There was a fairly uh, important character introduced. Was it issue 93? Oh, well, so uh, 25, issue 25, we, we meet Legion. Uh, yeah, that's who a pretty is important. Professor character. X's estranged son. Um, so he got a TV show recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty uh, good one too. Yeah, yeah. It, Especially if you like David Lynch style kind of storytelling and stuff. If you like your mind getting messed with and yeah, weird out of sequence timeline stuff, mm. Legion's pretty great. Um, yeah, so so uh, you're thinking of it probably issue 87 when Cable got introduced. No, no, no! Somebody after that. Oh, were you thinking of issue ninety-eight when uh, ninety-eight? Sorry, when, I had when, to shake uh, the number wrong. Deathstroke got injured. I'm sorry. When Slade. I'm sorry. When when Deadpool Wade Wilson got injured. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. That yeah, guy, that yeah, guy. yeah. That guy never got any. No, you know, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> yeah, there were a few important characters introduced in, uh, in yeah, New Mutants. Yeah. That, uh, oh, speaking of New Mutants, uh, there's a New Mutants movie coming out in a couple months. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it shot like three years ago. Yeah. And uh, this Disney-Fox merger. Kind of stuck it in production hell. Yeah. Post-production hell. Well, and it turns out they're just releasing the original version with some souped-up effects. So. <laughs> so after all that and the reshoots yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Well, so suppose the director saying, you know, they're releasing my original version. Now, whether that means the version he wanted to release or the version they shot are two different things. Fair enough. Right. So. 
We'll see. Uh, hopefully it's good. It looks like it's it's going to deal with the Demon Bear Saga, which was uh, issues 19 or 18 through 22, I want to say, of Mutants. Yeah. Um, with those cool Bilsenkevich, like, surreal, abstract monster demon bears. Right? Yeah, it should be yeah. kind of cool. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I was excited when they announced it and went, oh, well, I'll never yeah. have to watch this now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, X-Men horror movie. So that yeah. should be, that should be um, fun. Um, I, I like horror. I like X-Men. I'm yeah, and you get uh, Arya from, from Game of Thrones. You get Jonathan from Stranger Things is going to be in it. And uh, I don't remember the gal who's playing Ilyana, but boy, does she look just like magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... It's crazy. And she's got her soul sword and, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, we haven't gotten to any of that yet. Yeah. Um, we haven't gotten to her brother yet. No. Well, oh. well, he's in this run. I Or what we were talking about before yes. with the brood and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Colossus is there. Did I? I may have skipped over mentioning him in Giant Size X-Men number one. By the way, Colossus showed up in 75. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 1984, Chris Claremont and Frank Miller, who uh, had just gotten done killing Elektra and was about to uh, about to redefine Batman. Yeah. Um, they go and, and wrote the four-issue Wolverine miniseries uh, because that character took off in popularity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he got a little popular. <laughs> yeah. I still see those covers all the time when you look for Wolverine stuff. The, yeah. The covers for that miniseries still pop up all yeah. the time. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I managed to score an issue of the first, or score a copy of the first issue for $3, um, which sounds great, except someone took probably an airsoft gun and shot Wolverine in the cheek there. So there's just this hole going through like the first 10 pages, (laughs) which is why it costs $3. Yeah, Uh, that'll do it. But it's one of those things that like, it's a small blemish. And if you're looking at it from far away, it just looks like I have a copy of Wolverine Eh, number one on the wall. You have a copy of Wolverine number one. one. It's beat up, but uh, that's It's more the fun factor. It's a cool cover too. You know, Wolverine with that, come here, bub, like look on his face. Uh, Was that the one with the red background? Uh, red, red and orange-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to make sure I had the right image in my mind. Yeah. Um, so 1986, a couple years after the Dark Phoenix saga, it turns out Jean Grey wasn't dead. Um, and I believe it was Kurt Busiek uh, wrote in this this story of, you know, when uh, the theory that, hey, when Jean crashed the plane into the Hudson River, um, or Jamaica Bay, whatever, uh, maybe, maybe the thing that popped out wasn't Jean. Maybe the Phoenix was a cosmic entity that... Uh, didn't, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it, I, I want to be human. assumed Jean Grey's posi- like, form. Right, and... right. And and then we found out in an issue of Fantastic Four, I think the FF, was it? There's an issue of Fantastic Four, an issue of Avengers, and then the third part of it is X-Factor number one. But, like, basically, they found a thing, they opened it up, and it was Jean Grey. Uh, meanwhile, Cyclops had gotten married to a woman who looked and acted and sounded and smelled and apparently tasted just like Jean Grey uh, named Madeline Pryor and they had a baby that'll be important later (laughs) Uh, so Jean Grey comes back and someone calls Cyclops and the original five X-Men reunite and they start a new comic called X-Factor Yeah, um, because they were like well there's already like nine X-Men in the main X-Men book we don't need all of them so let's give them their own book um, fun fact, before they figured out how to bring Jean Grey back, the original plan was, uh, there were two original plans, two possible plans. One was to bring her sister Sarah and uh, have it turn out that she had telepathic powers as well. And another thought was maybe bring in the Dazzler and have hmm. Dazzler be the fifth member. Um, but everyone kind of like, well, if we're going to do, if we're going to do the original five X-Men, we should do the original five X-Men yeah. and find a way to bring Jean back. So they did. Uh, so that was 86. 87, just more 
madness. Oh, so it, it, in yeah. the timeline, because I can't remember when yes. when did they learn that Madeline Pryor was Madeline Pryor. So Madeline Pryor appeared. Oh. I like before Jean Grey came back. Was that already established that she wasn't Jean Grey, or was that the re- reveal? I can't remember. Um, uh, Madeline Price's first appearance, believe it or not, is Avengers Annual number ten, which is also the first appearance of Rogue, and the appearance where uh, Carol Danvers is put in a coma yeah, by, by, by Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, um, so that's a pretty important issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, but she, was was she Madeline Pryor? She was just Madeline Pryor. Okay. Yeah. Scott looked at her and thought that it was Jean. Okay. But then it was like, hey, I'm Madeline Pryor. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that was in, it was like in the back of one of the issues of X-Men. Okay. I couldn't uh, remember if, she, if at first she went as Jean or if it was just, she no, was always Madeline. No, no. She just, she was always so. Maddie. Okay. She just kind of looked like just, Jean. Yeah. It was just I mean, this un, kind of. an uncanny, if you will. Hey, I see what you did there. to Jean Grey. Um, yeah. So, and then Apocalypse is introduced early on in X Factor. Yeah. Uh, issue five and or six, depending on how you count cameos and first stories. Yeah. And that um, ends up being one of the great big bads of yeah, the X Men universe. Yeah. Um, Sadly, not of the X Men u- film universe. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yet. Now that now that uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Now in the that future. Marvel has Marvel Studios has the control of the X Men back, maybe maybe their reboot will. Yeah. Like, a little less. Simon Ooze and a little more Apocalypse. Yeah. So um, by this point, right, we've got we've got uh, X Men, New Mutants, X Factor. Um, what do you think? We, what do you think about adding some more X Men comics to the list? I think that sounds extremely good. Okay. So uh, the X Men are believed to have been killed in a mission in Texas, and uh, Nightcrawler and Rachel Call Summers. Texas, not even the X Men. <laughs> That's right. Um, so Rachel Summers is Scott and Jean's daughter. From a possible alternate future, we first meet her in Days of Future Past. Um, she has shown up and is hanging out. Uh, her, does she have Phoenix Force powers? She does. Okay. Yeah. I can't um, remember if she was introduced with them or not. She's not introduced with them. She gets them. Um, she comes back in time while Jean's dead. Okay. And touches a thing in Jean's house and suddenly has the Phoenix Force. Oh, of course. Because comic books. Yeah. Right? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so Rachel and Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride, who had appeared during the Dark Phoenix saga, um, join uh, four fellow X-Men Psylocke's brother, Captain Britain, and his love interest, Megan, and they form Excalibur, the British X-Family book. Yeah. Right? And that was in 88. Also, in 1988, uh, Wolverine, still popular, turns out. And Marvel decided they wanted to give Wolverine two monthly ongoing books and just couldn't justify that. So they gave him Wolverine. And then they created uh, Marvel Comics Presents. Which was a showcase title. It's an anthology book. comes out every two weeks. There's going to be a bunch of short stories, right? Now, nah, here's five pages of, of the Hulk. Here's five pages of, uh, I don't know, uh, the Avengers. Here's five pages of someone that doesn't deserve their own comic right now. Oh, also, every issue has a 10-page Wolverine story. Of course it does. Right. <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't give Wolverine two separate monthly titles in addition to his yeah. appearances in X-Men. Not at all. They just created a separate book where they could put him in it every month. <laughs> well, we'll get people to buy it by putting Wolverine in there and hopefully yeah. get them interested in some yeah. other characters. Yeah. Um, Marvel Comics Presents, by the way, is fantastic. There's a lot of really fun, like none of the stories in that really matter, right? It's kind of like the What If comics. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're just fun little... It, yeah. Like, hey, I mean, yeah, you need to find like five parts to read the entire story, but like a lot of them are in dollar bins right now. Yeah. Um, and, and... Hey, one of my favorites ever was a, a Wolverine one. It was What If Logan Met Weapon X. Oh, crazy. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those weird like alternate timeline yeah. like there's 
it's Wolverine, it's Logan. Yeah. He's just not Weapon X. And yeah. then there's Weapon X Logan. Yeah. It just Yeah. Um yeah, in the Weapon X story, the where we, we learn about Wolverine's time getting the Adamantium bonded to yeah. him, uh yeah. came out during that time. And Alpha also, Flight and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I forgot to write in my notes here. Now, that one of the most important X Men villains wasn't actually introduced in X Men. Who's that? Oh, Sabretooth. That's right. Sabretooth first appears in Iron Fist number fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an Iron Fist baddie, but yeah, but somehow they... got roped into Wolverine and ended up having hundreds of years of history with Wolverine. Well, and... turns out Chris Claremont was writing Iron Fist for a little while. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, hey, what if uh, what if these guys knew each other? That would be fun, right? Well, <laughs> turns out. Um, 1989, uh, a woman by the name of Margaret Lesh, who is working for Marvel Animation at the time, um, thought that X-Men might make a good cartoon. It and might. so they, uh, they went to their friends at Sunbow, who had you know previously done little cartoons like Transformers and G.I. Joe and Gem and the Holograms and My Little Pony, and said, hey, what if we... Those, uh, were, those were cartoons, I think? Yeah. In the 80s, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 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 I might have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they took they took the money that was supposed to be the 13th episode of the RoboCop and the Ultra Police animated series, and they decided let you know RoboCop's not doing super hot, so let's let's take this money and let's make a pilot for an X Men cartoon, and they made an episode called Pride of the X Men, where uh, Cyclops, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, and Dazzler and Nightcrawler are introduced to a young Kitty Pride, hence Pride of the X-Men, mm-hmm. right? It's a pun. And uh, Magneto and his brotherhood of mutant terrorists, not the brotherhood of evil mutants, because evil mutant is a, that's a, that's a judgmental thing. Right. So they're right. the mutant terrorists. It's 1989. Uh, yeah, they're, they're there to take, uh, I don't know, some bit, some bit of Cerebro and do something with a comet and blow up the Earth because... Magneto's reasons, still. yeah, because Saturday morning cartoon reasons, yeah, right. Um, I really like Pride of the X Men, but there's some weird things in it, like you know Wolverine being Australian and Cyclops having the same voice as Duke from GI Joe, uh, <laughs> and Kitty Pride being voiced by the woman that does Phil and Lil on Rugrats. To be fair, yeah, Wolverine kind of does look Australian. So there was a thing about Wolverine uh, because. For some reason, in the '80s, there was a big like America had a big obsession with cool Australian stuff, like you know Mad well, Max and Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee, Dundee, right? And so, there, like, there was actually a plan to introduce to, to reveal that Wolverine was of Australian descent, um, and so him having an Australian accent kind of made sense. Yeah, they just didn't end up going that way, yeah. and so because of that, the Canadian Wolverine sounds like one of the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> and that's weird. Well, when you're but, making a cartoon on a limited budget. Right. Hey, what kind of accent can you do? Okay, that doesn't sound like a good Canadian. Yeah. What else can you do? <laughs> hey, your Aussie's pretty good. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Oh, that voice you were doing in G.I. Joe. Just come over yeah. here and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you did Zartan, right? Come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 1990, uh, there's this weird – so so there's this guy you might have heard of. Uh, his name's Rob Liefeld. Um, he draws a lot of muscles and detail and pouches on his Just not characters. Feet. Not if he can avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's from a downward angle. Um, I've, I've met Rob. I'm not going to disparage him. He's a nice no, guy. he's fantastic. I love Rob. Um, I he, he's, he's good people. I don't yeah, care what anybody says. Yeah. Um, I like to make fun of his feet drawings, but he's good people. Yeah. Is Rob the best artist in the world? No. 
Is Rob a good guy? I've bought yeah. enough of his stuff. I feel like I can desert. I, I, I'm justified. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> to make fun of his feet drawn. That's fair. So Rob takes over New Mutants with number uh, 86. Uh, sales had been kind of sagging, and they thought, well, you know, this guy's picking up some steam, doing some fill-in work for us. So, yeah, what the heck? Let's Let's have him take over for a little bit. And uh, sales immediately shot way up. Yeah. So issue 86, he takes over. Um, and then issue 87, he introduces C- Cable, which we refer to. Uh, and Cable, Who is the son. Yeah. Cable, we find out later, is the son, the time displaced son of Cyclops and Madeline Pryor. Um, who was sent to the future. Who was sent to the future because Apocalypse had infected him with a techno-organic virus. And he was raised by Rachel Summers, his Alternate universe sister. Yeah. Um, as well Which as he time didn't displaced. Know because he thought it was the clan Ascani or something like so that. So Rachel founded the clan Ascani. Okay, there uh, we go. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, did that basically to raise Cable to help him fight Apocalypse, who had taken over the world. Well, and then wasn't there, uh, in, eventually, didn't they do a thing where like, Scott Summers and Jean Grey got time displaced, not in their own bodies, but their consciousnesses were time displaced, so they actually raised Cable, but he didn't know they raised him? Yes. That was The Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yes. Uh, and that series go. came out in 94, I want to say. Uh, so just a couple years later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Time travel is a weird thing uh, in general. And Wibbly wobbly. Kind of a big deal in X-Men. Yeah. Strangely, like there's a lot of space and time travel for a book that's about uh, bigotry. <laughs> um, yeah, so Cable gets introduced. Um, he takes over the New Mutants. And, you know, um, <laughs> one of the fun facts about Cable is one of his working titles is going to be Commander X. Because they were going to make the New Mutants more militant, right? Okay. And they were like, well, Professor X teaches the school and Commander X will teach the military group. And Rob Liefeld was like, that's a stupid name. And uh, was it Innocenti Anne that was writing uh, New Mutants at the time? Was like, yeah, I don't like that name either. Um, but editorial was like, well, oh, do something. And he's like, well, what about just Cable? Right? That sounds cool. It doesn't really mean anything. Right? He's got a metal arm, big gun. I was kind of pictured he was looking around his office and went, oh, there's a cable on the wall. Yeah. Cable. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, also, it was 1990. <laughs> Terminator 2 was about to come out. Super popular. Dude, that's part cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Go figure. <laughs> Robots and big guns were popular in 1990. Yeah. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Um, so New Mutants uh, ran until issue 100 and um, was canceled. Well, not canceled. Ended. And let's say mutated into uh, X-Force. Right, and so so a bunch, the handful of new mutants that were still around, and Cable and a couple of new characters started X Force. Um, X Force number one sold about five million copies. Yeah, Josh, that was nineteen ninety one. Yeah, and that was uh, <laughs> if I remember right, uh, I got a big a big thing when I bought it. Uh huh. Of cards. No, so not a big thing. What? Sorry, sorry, it wasn't the big placard with the uncut cards. It was just the ca- loose there was, cards. There were a couple right? of cards. Yes, sir. That's right. right. It was loose so, cards. So there were five cards. So X-Force number one was polybagged. Yes. Right? So it came sealed in plastic, um, which is not how comics usually come, contrary no, to no. popular belief for some reason. Um, and you would get two cards. One was a coupon for uh, – or like an advertisement for buying some X-Force shirts. And one was a trading card. And there were five trading cards, one with cable, one with – the team, uh, I think one with Strife, one with, oh, now we're testing my memory. Regardless, the last one had yeah. Deadpool. There were five of them. I'm pretty sure, if, if I remember right, if memory serves, I had the Strife card. Okay. 
Um, I could be wrong on that. At one point, I did own all five. I don't remember if I still do. I've been sorting out and moving some comic stuff because yeah, I happens. have too much, um, which is a very first world problem. Well, that was the beginning of the poly bag. We insert crap to get you to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Comic book yeah. phase of yeah. the 90s. <laughs> um, five million copies. That was almost 30 years ago. It's still the second highest selling comic of all time. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Um, a few months later... Uh, X-Men Volume 2 came out, and then the five original X-Men came back and joined the team, and Jim Lee was drawing the book and was selling, like, hotcakes, yeah. and like, let's do a second X-Men book. Well, I mean, everybody and, had that Jim Lee X-Men 1 and 2. Right. I, I honestly think there was a law passed somewhere in the 90s that if you were collecting <laughs> comics or buying comics in the 90s, you were required to have a copy of Jim Lee's X-Men number 1. It was given to you. You didn't know where it came from. It was just in your collection. That's uh, you know sometimes that's not untrue. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah. Have, don't know if I've ever looked at a comic book a lot anywhere that like just oh I'm selling these comics that didn't have <laughs> a copy but a reprint or original of yeah. Jim Lee's X Men number one well, and two. Funny thing, there were no reprints of X Men number one. Really? Yeah, because it came in five different covers. And sold 8 million copies. Oh, see, I only remember the one cover, the one, the foldables. So, okay, so the way they did it was it came out over the course of five weeks. So week one, you got one cover. Week two, you got another cover. Week three, you got another cover. Week four, you got another one. Week five was the one on the glossy stock paper with the fold-out uh, okay. cover. Okay, see, that's the, one I, the only one I've ever seen is the, the okay. glossy stock fold-out cover one. Okay, so the other four covers were made of the fold-out fold parts, out. Okay, right? So you put them sense. all together, and it makes like a big kind of puzzle yeah. thing, right? Or you just get the one that had all of them. Okay, see, and that's the, one, that's the only one I've ever seen. Right. I've only ever seen the, okay. the fold-out you've, cover glossy. You've probably seen the others and didn't recognize them as X-Men number one. Possible. Yeah. Possible. Um, Anyways, yeah, 8 million copies, still the highest selling comic of all time. Um, at one point, I had all five copies signed by Jim Lee. I wow. sold them for a pity penny, yeah. and I have since, for basically nothing, uh, collected all five of them again. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, November 91 is interesting. That's when that came out. Um, and, 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 you know, by November, it actually came out in like. August, September, because yeah. comics, like, the date published is not the date they actually come out. It's, uh, like, the date printed, rather, is not the date that they're published. Um, they always print a later date so that it makes you feel like you're getting them early. It's a, it's a nice trick they used to do on the yeah. newsstands. Um, all comics do it. Magazines do it. It's it's a general thing. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was weird. It's, it's yeah. like cars. Like, wait, yeah. I'm buying a 99 and it's 98? How right. does that work? Right, right. yeah. Yeah, in a few months you're going to be buying the 2021 cars. Yeah. And it's January of 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like right now, I think you can get like the April copy of a comic in right. some, for some comics right yeah. now. It's, it's kind of crazy. So um, by the end of 1991, um, X-Men 1 through 3, X-Men Volume 2, 1 through 3 had come out and Uncanny X-Men 279 had come out and that was it. Chris Claremont left. After 17 years, Claremont uh, didn't agree with management and didn't like that all of these artists were coming in and dictating how the books were going to be written because they just wanted to draw cool stuff yeah. and not worry about storytelling so much. Not that they were all bad writers, but, you know, they were mostly artists and just wanted to draw cool things. Claremont didn't like that and left. Um, 11 months later, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Wills Portasio, who took over for Jim Lee on Uncanny X-Men, Mark Silvestri, who was drawing the Wolverine series, and then Jim Valentino, who was drawing Guardians of the Galaxy, Eric Larson, who was drawing Amazing Spider-Man, and Todd McFarlane, who was drawing his own Spider-Man book, which is the third highest-selling comic of all time. Uh, they all left Marvel 
um, because four of them working on X-Men comics, there is uh, an ongoing joke that it was called the Exodus <laughs> because they all just up and left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they started a little comic called a little company called Image Comics. Yeah. Um, I I often wonder if if Claremont had stuck around for that like nine months, he probably would have been there with them. Would he have left with them, or would he have just been able to take over X-Men again and do what he wanted and tell stories and not worry about the artist so much? Maybe. Who knows? Right? It's, yeah, he might have. He might have stuck around. So, because, well, it would be interesting to find out of that group, were they the ones that he was upset with? Yeah, well, and and I don't think it was anything with them personally, because Claremont uh, basically went and did, it did an Image series like a year after Image yeah. was founded. So I don't so think it was them necessarily. Yeah. But I think... I, I I just I have to wonder like, well, Marvel management is giving these art these hot artists, and in fairness, the art was selling the books. Like, oh yeah, there's no debating that you know late '80s, early '90s, like all these dudes were coming in with this hyper realistic, super detailed style that was way different than the the house style of the '70s and '80s. Yeah, it was so different. And it was just it was so yeah, it was super '90s. Like it was just in your yes. face. Like it was just it was what. Um, was hot at the time. Fun and... fact, I was randomly watching some Super Bowl halftime stuff over the, the, the weekend last week. Don't ask why. Just because. And uh, Michael Jackson's Super Bowl from 1993 mm-hmm. you know, came up on the, the YouTube feed. And he popped up from the stage, and he was standing there, and, I, and he had a black outfit with a big gold X, uh, like kind of bandoliers and yeah. some other straps. And I was like, man, he looks like an X-Men character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he was doing that since '85, though. I mean, right. look at the look so, at bad. He's he's wearing leather and buckles. I mean, that's right. basically every Final Fantasy game and X Men comic book. Yeah, yeah. It's it's years. it's really funny. Like everyone pokes fun at like Liefeld and Jim Lee and, and McFarlane for adding spikes and chains and pouches to everything, but like that's what was going on in pop culture. Yeah, like that wasn't time. that wasn't them. That wasn't anything that they they were just looking around at like yeah, what are the what, what's going on in Teen Vogue right now? Yeah, right. What are what are the kids watching on MTV? Like, let's do that. And, uh, yeah, everyone kind yeah. of forget, like, and, everyone, well, and, like, like, punk rock had gotten popular and stuff like that. Right. So when you're trying to draw a character to kind of look like more punk rock, you end up with a, uh, storm with a mohawk and a leather jacket with spikes on it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, it's kind of like you, you draw, I mean, and again, that was the eighties, but still you draw what is popular and what was popular at the time was big dudes with guns and robots. <laughs> and pouches. Yeah. Yeah. And weird strap things that don't really make sense. Yeah. Um, well, it was also a video game. Like, you got to think at the time, yeah. like you were getting like your Dooms and your Duke Nukem's and things like yeah. that, where those first-person the, shooters were starting to get really big and stuff right. like that. And you're, you know, the the over-the-top action hero thing in video games was really picking up. So, yeah. why wouldn't it have reflected it in comic books as too? Because those really go hand in hand, yeah, and, like as far as pop culture people that consume media. And it was it was a couple of years later, uh, but I want to say it was '95. Um, GI Joe rebooted as GI Joe Extreme. Yeah. Right. And you look at all those characters, you're like, yeah, those are early '90s X Men characters. Yeah. Right. It says GI Joe, but no, those are X Men. I don't care. Maybe Image characters, but like, yeah, who are all basically X Men. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, that's just what was going on. Like, that's that's the world we lived in. And, yeah. You know. I mean, even over in DC Comics, I mean, you got Batman with Bane and everything right. like that. I mean, it just it was just yeah. a big. Yeah. Big person. Like, yeah. You know, just all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to jump forward a little bit to late 1992. Um, Margaret Lesh convinced Fox Kids that X-Men was, you know, a good a good idea to make into a cartoon, especially off the back of 13 million copies of X-Force and yeah. X-Men number one combined. Um, so they gave it a shot. And October 92, we, we saw a, a couple of sneak peek episodes of the pilot episode, two-part type pilot episode, Night of the Sentinels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and that ended up being uh, pretty popular. Uh, so in addition to X-Men selling more comics than anything ever uh, over the last couple of years, now suddenly they're the biggest, most watched cartoon. Yeah. And uh, the following spring, they, they fixed up some animation errors in the in the pilot and re-aired them. And, and you know, they had a nice 13-episode first season. Um and later in 93, uh, Power Rangers came along. And so between X-Men and Power Rangers, they basically redefined Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, for a for while. For like the first half of the 1990s. Um, I noted real quick just off the top of my head uh, that – so 94, we got Spider-Man. Well, it was like Fox Kids for a little while. They had – what was it? It was the Batman animated series. Batman was on there. Um, they had uh, X-Men. They had – like the Fox cartoon Saturdays yeah. were – that was – it was yeah. So it was Batman, X Men, Spider Man, Power Rangers, The Tick, yeah, um, Eek the Cat, <laughs> which and yeah, Eek either. was fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, but if you if you there's there's a bunch of YouTube documentaries about the early days. Like they go through the every year like what changes in Fox mm-hmm. Kids and like the first couple of years like okay it's kind of fun like little kid stuff and then like ninety three happens and you're just like oh it's just action cartoons all the time yeah all the effing time yeah yeah. Um, yeah, and then ninety four we get Spider Man, uh, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, and Hulk on UPN the next year, um, or over the you know, you Fantastic Four, and then Hulk after those two end. Um, we end up with the Silver Surfer and Avengers United They Stand on back on Fox. Like that's seven Marvel cartoons. Yeah, in the span of like five years, that's insane. Yeah, that's quite a bit. <laughs> that is a lot. Um, and then after all of those ended, they were like, yeah, let's start over and do X Men Evolution in two thousand. Yeah. Right? Like, ah, the movie came out. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a book called Previously on X-Men um, written by the showrunners um, whose names escape me. Eric Laywald and his wife. And I don't remember her name and I feel terrible. This is a lot of information. Yeah. Um, but they wrote a book about the history of the X-Men cartoon, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I haven't read it, but um, from what I have heard, it is absolutely fantastic. And if you want to know more about the X-Men cartoon, um, definitely yeah. go check out Previously on X-Men. 1993, Cable got his own ongoing series. Uh, it took that long? Yeah, yeah, it took all of three years. I know. Yeah. Yeah, for this guy to get super popular and get his own book. Uh, well, I, now, uh, because I, I don't have the timeline in front of me, did yeah. Cable get his own series before there was, Liefeld left? Or? No, it was after Liefeld okay. left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a two-part. Um, it was two issues, but they were both double-sized. Uh, okay. It was Cable, Blood, and Metal before that. Um, but basically, it was like, will a Cable book sell? Yes. All right, we're doing a cable book. Um, 94, uh, there was a crossover called The Phalanx Covenant. Um, and out of cool that. Cool cover. Yeah. Or, or those crossover. Cool, those, it was a cool crossover, and those covers with the, the strip of like techno yeah. uh, stuff behind the characters was a real cool. Uh, and that was the introduction of uh, Generation Next. Gener- Generation X. X, sorry. Yes. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So the storyline was Generation Next. Next. The, the team was, was Generation, Generation X. X. Yeah. Sorry, forgive me. Oh, it's, it's fine. A lot of X things. It's fine. Um, <laughs> It's especially funny because uh, Image was about to do, do a book called Gen X, and um, Marvel had beat them to the trademark with Generation X, and uh, so Image's book ended up being called Gen 13. Yeah. Um, and then Gen 13 and Generation X did a couple of crossovers. <laughs> so, like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, it all works you out. Like your, you like your sexy teenage heroes? Yeah, you got two, like, two flavors of it now. Yeah. So. And one of my favorite characters was introduced in all that old Blink. Uh, Blink was introduced in that, yeah, yeah and yeah. she died, and died very right quickly. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, in 1994, Capcom released X Men: Children of the Atom, 
which was basically a Street Fighter style game with the X Men. Yeah, still one of the best X Men games in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, fun fact about that game: Akuma from Street Fighter is a hidden character, uh, which basically laid the groundwork for the Marvel vs. Capcom games a couple of years later. I didn't yeah. Know that. Yeah. Um, 1995, the Age of Apocalypse story happens, which is probably one of the most beloved X-Men stories outside of... I mean, it's the most beloved outside of main continuity Marvel story, probably. Um, And definitely one of those big, big deal things that... um, us 90s kids I remember were... getting super excited for those issues when they would come in the mail because I had a subscription at the time. Yeah. I was I was digging that Joe Mad art at the time. Yeah. I was super into it. Yes. Like, the way he drove, drew Morph in the Age of Apocalypse with yeah. that crazy purple head and uh-huh. everything. And uh-huh. just, I dug those issues, And man. they brought Blink back for that for yep. some reason, just because. Well, I mean, hey, yeah. everybody that was dead can be alive now, so right. why not mess with stuff? And so, uh, redid her powers and made her really cool. Yeah. So the Age of Apocalypse was, um, what if Professor X didn't find the X-Men? Eh, it turns out Apocalypse takes over North America. Well, <laughs> didn't it stem from Legion? Yes. Goes back to kill Magneto. Yes. Because he thinks, if I can go back in time and kill Magneto, I can spend my time father's... With my dad. Utopia will be realized, right? And the things that happen to me won't happen, and you know, right. all these things down the. And then he the, goes to kill Magneto, and Charles Xavier jumps in the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, sub note: if if he had have killed Magneto, he probably wouldn't have been alive because if it hadn't been for Magneto, a lot of the events that led Charles and Moira to get together and all those things, uh huh, may not have happened. happened. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. So uh, one of the, so Age of Apocalypse happened, and they canceled all the X Men books for four months, and replaced them all with other titles. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go through that list because we're already running out of time. This went. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought I had it, and uh, fortunately, there's not a lot that happened in the 2000s. Um, but uh, one of the books, uh, the one that replaced Cable, was called X Man, and it was Mister Sinister, who's a character we haven't mentioned because highlights. Yeah. Um, took the DNA of Scott Summers and Jean Grey in the Age of Apocalypse universe and combined them. So basically it was that universe's version of Cable. And uh, Marvel thought it would be a good idea to bring X-Men out of the Age of Apocalypse, along with some other characters. But X-Men's book continued. So yeah. we're now at the point where we're like like 10 monthly X-Men books, yeah. um, which is crazy. Because yeah, uh, they brought a few characters. They brought him over. They, they brought, brought him, the Dark Beast, uh, Sugar Dark Man. Beast. And uh, the Holocaust, who yeah. they later renamed Nemesis. Wild Child. Why, uh, no, Wild Child was just part of Alpha Flight before that. I thought the version of Wild Child, was it not? I thought the one from Age of Apocalypse came over and became our version of Wild no, Child. No, they just redressed our Wild Child. Oh, that's all they did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I just remembered at that point, like, he was, it was still like, they were mentioning things. It was like, okay, well, that was Age of the Apocalypse stuff. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So basically, it was like, hey, this uh, team up of Sabretooth and Wild Child's a cool idea. Let's bring him down from Alpha Flight, have him join X Factor while Sabretooth's a member, and have them be a team there. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? Okay. So, so it wasn't so, any carryover other than the this was neat it, it was idea a, you guys yeah. did. So there was, gonna, there okay. was some AOA influence on ongoing stories, oh, for sure. Okay, like, okay. Hey, I always got the impression cool. that it was that same wild child yeah. in our universe. No, no. Oh, okay. um, but whatever. I mean, yeah. it's, But they did bring Blink, Blink back eventually. They did bring Blink back, yeah. And she started a team called the Exiles a couple mm-hmm. years later, and, and they were just a dimension-hopping group of heroes. Yeah. Um, 1996, we got Onslaught, which is a mess of continuity tangle. Uh, and I don't want to get into that. I could do a whole episode. Yeah, on that, that got crazy. Um, but by the end of '97, uh, the animated series had ended. Um, oh, by the end of '96, Marvel went bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, which again, I could do a whole episode on <laughs> the '90s crash of comics. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, Marvel went bankrupt chapter 11 so they could they could refinance. Uh, the animated series ended. Uh, and you'll notice, if you're watching it on Disney+, Plus, you'll notice the last five episodes have uh, a different animation studio because Marvel couldn't afford to pay <laughs> the studio they were paying. So Saban Entertainment stepped in paid a, sm- a, a smaller studio to finish up the season, which is why the animation changes greatly for the At last the few very episodes. End. Yeah. Okay. Um, sales on Marvel Comics, everyone's comics, just started declining. Uh, and to trim back some of the fat, Marvel canceled X-Factor and Excalibur. Um, to try and, and upturn the ship, Marvel in 2000 brought back Chris Claremont and um, gave him X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, yeah. And then Warren Ellis was given Generation X, X-Force, and X-Man to try and uh, reestablish them. And then the movie came out that summer, uh, October, or I'm sorry, July 18th, 2000, um, which was like, hey, people want to go read the comic. Yeah. Unfortunately, Claremont's story was so impenetrable that both longtime fans and new people were like, what? What is even happening here? What was he writing about at the time? Um, <laughs> how much give, time do we have left? Give me like the the thirty second. The X Men were were going up against a group called the Neo, who were supposed to be the next evolution of mutant, right? In the mm-hmm. way that mutants are to humans, the Neo yeah. were to mutants, um, and it was just confusing and not great. I haven't read those stories because they've never been reprinted in trade paperback. Wow. Yeah, they just got an omnibus collection last year. Um, and it's already like half off everywhere. Like it's just not not, not a great. popular story. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um so Marvel called an Audible and brought in Grant Morrison in two thousand one. Uh and he took over the the second X Men book and retitled it New X Men and um basically reinvigorated everything. Um and so that was two thousand one and by the end of two thousand four there were twenty monthly X Men books. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2000, also in 2004, after Morrison left, Joss Whedon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly fame, Firefly fame, uh, came in and started writing Astonishing X-Men, um, which was great and it is great now, but it was a pain at the time because he was so busy doing stuff in Hollywood. Yeah, it was a directing... Right. Things and like right. Just, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it just the book got delay after delay after delay. And yeah. I think it, I think it took like four years for the 24 issues he wrote to come out. Wow. Um, but now not a problem. Now you can go back and, and read those. And it's got amazing John Cassidy Shikinsky, art. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in 2005, the House of M storyline happened. Uh, and at the end of it, Scarlet Witch said no more mutants. And, uh, like, half the X-Books got canceled. Yeah. Um, in fairness, 20 monthly books is a lot. And yeah. most of them were were on the chopping block anyways. Yeah. Um, were not selling. And... Yeah. So so uh, because Scarlet Witch's powers are based on probability, the 2 million-something mutants on the planet uh, got chopped down to about 198. Um, I suspect that Marvel was ramping up Marvel Studios behind the scenes because this is 2005. Yeah. Right? So they're starting preparation on Iron Man and Hulk. And well, and even if they weren't, they were still not making as much money on properties that they didn't have licensing to and right. things like that. Right. So they were... So I suspect that they were like, hey, let's cut back on the X-Men and let's really... Let's give Bendis, who's and our top point, writer right also, now... And by that we had one really good X-Men movie. Right. And the second one and had not come out. any more really and good X-Men movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and so I, I, I honestly think that, like, call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever. I really think that, like, the No More Mutants thing was really just, like, 
hey, let's take the focus off of them and like really push it on the Avengers. Yeah. So that no, when like our Avengers movie comes thing. out. Like, yeah. they, they were getting ready. I mean, well, and they hadn't even – with the Marvel Studios stuff, they were waiting to see what did Iron Man did. Right. Because it was a complete gamble. Like, right. They were like, all right, Favreau. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. And Marvel expected Hulk to be the big movie. They yeah. didn't. They thought Iron Man like as a teaser, and then Hulk came out a month well, later. Because I mean, to be to be fair, Iron Man C list like at the best yeah, at the time. <laughs> maybe B list for those of us that were comic book nerds. Okay. But as far as like but, re- recognizability, yeah. Unless you were, uh, you know, an Ozzy Osbourne fan, you didn't know who Iron Man was right. for the most part. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, so the X Men kind of just for the next like decades just sort of became about like, well, there's not a lot of us. Let's go live off the coast of San Francisco and keep ourselves alive, I guess. Yeah. And uh And to be fair, like I it, it dropped me out of it. Like I was yeah. it just it seemed like every single time I opened an issue, it was Scott Summers trying to kill Professor X because for whatever reason, like they <laughs> weren't getting along sad this that week. We're mutants. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it's like, all right, this big red X on your face, it's definitely a target. Somebody kill this guy quick. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was 2012 yeah. uh, was the Avengers versus X-Men. Cyclops got the powers of the Dark Phoenix, was was taken over by the Phoenix. Yeah. He um, and him, uh, so it was, it was, Colossus, it, <laughs> so, uh, like five people were all the Phoenix so it was, people. Uh, like, it Piotr, got crazy. Emma, Namor, Ileana, and Scott. There we go. P-E-N-I-S. There we go. Got the powers of the Phoenix Force. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, they all defeated so each other. And it was the Pen Fifteen Force Five. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Basically, um, so they they all got the powers of the Phoenix, and as they started defeating each other, it you know would all merge into one. And at the end, Scott defeated I think Emma to get full on Dark Phoenix powers. And as as inhabited by the Dark Phoenix, you know you go kind of crazy. And he ended up killing Professor X. Yeah, um, which led into a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Bendis. Uh, so after Avengers vs X Men, we got Marvel Now, which was their kind of like not New Fifty Two reboot, um, where they introduced the original five X Men coming, the original five Teenage X Men coming to the present day. Um, that lasted for a while. It was fun. Um, over the last couple of years, if you're if you're looking for it, you can kind of see Marvel putting pieces back into place. Yeah. Um, you know, Gene came back from the dead. Cyclops died and came back. The original five were sent back. Wolverine had died at some point and came back. And, you know, they're like, let's, let's put all the X-Men back on the board. Um, and then just last summer, we got the House of X and Powers of Ten by Jonathan Hickman, which is a big conspiracy thing. And all the X-Men are alive. And they now live on Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. And they've separated themselves from the human race. And they're building their own mutant nation. And that's where we stand right now. We're like three, four months into the the main story. So ironically, they tried to replace them with the Inhumans. Yes. And instead put the X-Men back in the place of the Inhumans because now they have their own. Their own nation. Nation. Yeah. Like the Inhumans did. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They And they ended up basically killing all the Inhumans. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's. (laughs) <laughs> Our show bombed. Quick, yeah. bring the X-Men back. Oh, dude, I could do a whole episode on my weird X-Men and humans conspiracy <laughs> theories. Uh, I could do a whole episode on, like... We have to do like, that, because it, yeah. it could be fun. With, especially because of that and the Fantastic Four, all the stuff, the I weird stuff do, that Marvel did with their licensing over the last decade I could stuff. do a whole episode on Dark Phoenix. I could do a whole episode... I could do an episode on Days of Future well, Past. Well, let us know if you want issues. us to do that, guys. Yeah, if you want more yeah, X-Men, more let X-Men, us know. More X-Men, whatever you want us to do. More um, comic book stuff, more not comic book stuff. Yeah, yeah. Know, just let us know what you want. Let us know on our social media, Atomic Monsoon on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook, 
atomic underscore monsoon on Instagram. Uh, you can email us atomicmonsoon at gmail.com. Uh, find us on voiceamerica.com, atomicmonsoon.com. And if you're listening on a podcast aggregator, uh, please leave us a nice rating and review and subscribe to us. That yeah. would be great. Would yeah, subscribe yourself a lot. It, yeah. it really does. So. All right, guys. We are uh, a little bit over time, so we're going to get out of here, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Peace. To me, my X-Men. <laughs> <laughs>